British Nigerian, number five of six daughters to my parents. Um, what do I like to do? Hmm, very complicated question. Seems simple, but it's not. Um, I like to drink whiskey. <laughs> I like to read interesting things. And by read, I mean listen to audio and maybe look at the text at the same time. Um, I like to talk to people that stimulate my imagination and even people who make me feel uncomfortable sometimes because I feel like that discomfort can be productive and it can help me grow. Um, I really love to dance. Um, yeah, and I like to cook, but a lot less when I'm by myself than when I'm cooking for a gathering with people that mean something special to me. Yeah, so that's what I like. Ooh. Nice. You know, it's interesting. Uh, so I'm calling this okay. the pleasure season. And so each guest that I have, uh, we're talking about some type of pleasure, uh, mostly sexual, sensual, mm -hmm. and kinky pleasure. But I do have a couple folks, uh, uh, like I have, for example, a chef, and she starts talking about the joy that she gets and the pleasure that she receives from cooking from other for other people versus just herself. So I find that that interesting. It seems to be something that translates uh, across many um, um, honestly, mm -hmm. just for everyone. Um, you also said something. Oh, I love drinking whiskey as well. Uh, I love tequila and whiskey. Those are my two. Uh, I don't feel <laughs> at all. Um, <laughs> you know, so that that is um, I, I am really enjoying doing this and sitting down and having these conversations with people because I don't think we talk about pleasure enough and. Um, I don't think we talk about sexual pleasure enough, but I also don't think we talk about everyday no, pleasures yeah. enough, right? Um, you know, and it, it's very interesting to see the similarities and the shared love that folks have for different activities. So that tickled me for sure. <laughs> um, so I guess let's start with... Uh, Actually, let's start with your Instagram because that really what okay. led me to you. Um, I was following you on for my podcast page, and I was just like, I don't. She just hits oh, it Lord. every single time with the post and the whole overall vibe oh, of the Lord. conversation. So, uh, tell me a little bit about what uh, I don't like. What inspired you to start sharing your ideas? And uh, your your energy hmm. and vibe. That, again, another one of these questions that seems simple but really isn't. Um, okay, so summer twenty twenty, in the midst of pandemic, like first wave of lockdowns, I believe it was. Um, a friend of mine curated a virtual festival um, celebrating, you know, mm -hmm. Black and African humanity and. Um, I think she did a really good job of curating different pieces, um, art, DJ sessions, um, panel discussions, spoken word, uh, conversations with authors and different types of things. 
Um, and I should say that this friend of mine is based in Nigeria. Um, and for the first time, probably, or one of the first times, she um, sort of uh, expanded the, the subject matter, I guess, um, of, of her festival um, and included a panel of uh, women loving women and asked me uh, to kind of facilitate that discussion. Um, as a big fat dyke, I have lots of friends who are lesbian, bisexual, and various other things on the spectrum. Um, so I reached out to my networks and I brought some sisters together and I said, okay, let's have this conversation. Um, and it was really interesting because that sort of, that event coincided with the culmination of a lot of thoughts and feelings that I had been having just by myself in my corner. By the way, I live in Mali, um, West African country. I live in the capital city. Um, it's a bit of an isolated experience as a lesbian woman, um, a very proud, not hiding, don't believe in the closet, but also just everybody, if you bother to pay attention to me, you're just going to know. Um, so yeah, so it, it, it can feel a bit isolating sometimes. And so um, post a breakup and after this conversation with friends, I, I thought to myself, um, there must be other people sort of um, like me wanting to have access to content and conversation material that caters to African and African descendants of the African diaspora, women loving women, um, conversations where we can talk to ourselves, about ourselves. Um, and it was really interesting because um, if you look at the space, I tend not to use, or at least at the beginning, I, I didn't use um, like the labels bisexual, lesbian, because for many women, at least on the continent, um, those terms, while there are people who are adopting those terms, they still feel very foreign. Um, and personally, mm -hmm. I do not think that either of the, well, I'm not bi, so there's that. Um, and I don't think that the term lesbian really quite has enough space for who I am as a very adamant woman, cis, African, les like woman loving woman. So um, my preferred terms, Zemi, Sapatan, Dyke, Dike Nwami, and all other manners of non-Western English or Anglicized terminology. Um, so I created this space and I thought, okay, I can do kind of like a hybrid of um, my almost 20 years of being this way in this world as an African woman. Um, also the fact that in addition to this, you know, this sexual orientation or this sexual identity um, or romantic identity even, um, I'm also the child of a pastor and a lawyer. Um, mm. And, you know, I'm very, they're parts of my African cultures because I grew up all over the continent that I really hold dear. Um, and there was just something that was kind of bugging me about a lot of the, 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 the stuff that I was seeing out there where um, if it's not people telling Africans in the alphabet mafia that you're un-African, then it is Africans in the alphabet mafia rejecting parts of their culture because, oh, if the culture doesn't make space for me as this part of my identity, then why should I stay in it, you know, or why should I be proud of it? Um, and a lot of those things didn't sit well with me. So I said, okay, I'm going to start an Instagram community and let's see if people are interested in this. Let's see if women gravitate towards this space. Let's see the kind of conversations um, that will come of it. Uh, and almost a year later, it seems as though, you know, people really want the space to exist. Um, 
And yeah, and it's 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 um giving birth to all kinds of other things because now I mean, like you, several other people have gotten me, you know, asked me to speak on their podcasts or since the advent of Clubhouse, can you come and say something in this conversation? Or can you write this article or can you do this or can you do that? Um and it's really funny because this has nothing to do with what I do professionally. Um and for a long time I was <laughs> not really um, super excited about blurring the lines because my professional life is very, it's very specific, um, and my mm-hmm. private life is not very relevant in my professional spaces. Um, and so I'm wondering what's going to happen the moment that people start making the crossover because obviously social media being so- social media, very soon triangulation will become very easy. Um, so yeah, so that yeah. that's how that space came to be. Uh, and it's actually birth now. I'm actually registering a company or a social enterprise under, um, or you know, that's going to sort of umbrella all of these activities that have come from this space. Now. Yay! I'm happy to hear that. I'm all I'm all for black business, but I think um, obviously Thank I'm a you. fan. Um, the space is very unique. Um, I I appreciate it because uh, something that really strikes me was your your thoughts around, you know, the term lesbian not fully encompassing uh, my existence and my identity and mm-hmm. everything that I am. And, you know, over here on this side of states, we hear that a lot because typically, um, well, it depends, right? So it depends on where you live. Some people's idea of a lesbian is like white, yeah. androgynous, yeah. thin looking yeah. white woman, right? <laughs> um, um, for some of us, it, it's actually a signifier that we love women um and only women but then for some of us like people like me technically even though i i do identify as a lesbian um but my presentation and honestly even some of my pleasures and habits are somewhat non-binary and trans masculine mm-hmm. to a certain degree and so you know or even like one of my friends just recently came out as uh non-binary so they changed their pronouns and then what does that mean for their quote unquote womanhood, some people would question, are you even still a lesbian right. without being a woman? And honestly, I'm just like, it kind of, it's not that it doesn't matter to me. It's just something in the way that you put things in your content, I identify with, and I can just see myself in its entirety, right? Um, so I, I really appreciate that. But I was going to ask you, because this is a uh, pleasure season, we're it. talking about pleasure. Um, <laughs> how do I ask uh do you remember your first time experiencing pleasure with another woman and it doesn't have to Ooh, get graphic that's I not what I'm asking but uh, with another woman. yeah um juvenile experience or non-juvenile experience oh it, it doesn't it doesn't have to either or um um okay uh, so I'm, I'm uh, going to give the non-juvenile <laughs> it's a bit less creepy um, or actually, let me not say creepy. You know, uh, I, I the, the the what I will say about the juvenile experience is that I don't. I consider it now, with hindsight, as part of you know the information that lets me know that this you know that I I've, I've been who I who I am forever, right? Um, I also don't mm-hmm. like to speak about it in this way because. I think that there's some things about childhood innocence 
that need to be left as childhood innocence and not sort of inscribed with mm-hmm. things that children are clearly not thinking about when they're playing, for instance, house. Um, so, yeah. um, so, I, so my first experience, I was in secondary school and this, this actually actually turned out to be my first girlfriend. Um, I was a drama kid and we, so I went to, I went to secondary school in Swaziland, uh, the kingdom of Swaziland. It now goes by another name. I hate to use the new name because it really is just a case of the emperor's new, new, new cloak. Um, what the king did there but anyway so the kingdom of swaziland um and there there is this annual um theater arts festival in grahamstown which is a city in the eastern cape of south africa um and so we did the road trip to south africa for this uh this festival and in what i think it was like maybe like the first or the second day i had signed up for this improv class and there was this girl and I was there, this girl, and we just kind of stood there and we looked at each other and I was like, uh-oh, what's happening here? Um, and it was really like, so I was really just taken by her because I, I couldn't understand. I mean, yes, I was a drama geek, you know, but um, I was one of those who like my teacher would always say, but I can feel you're holding back. I can feel you're holding back. I can feel you're holding back. And I looked at this girl and I was like, but you do not hold back. You are very clearly just letting your madness carry you to where you want it to take you. How do you do that, you know? Um, And so after that improv session, um, somehow my, oh my God, how do you do that? Must have like done some kind of telepathic something to her because she just came at me like right afterwards and she was like, you're my buddy for this entire festival. And I was like, what? How did that happen, you know? Um, And we, I mean, obviously we were from different schools, but somehow she convinced, I don't know if it was she convinced my friends or her friends or whatever, but we ended up bunking in the same room. Um, There was no space and she was like, you know what? Bump that, we have sleeping bags and the floor is as good as anywhere, you know? Um, So that was, uh, that was, that was my first girlfriend. Um, We spent all day, every day together during that festival. I think we both even had to change our, our schedules of like um, different sessions that we had picked so that we could make, you know, so that we could be together. And then I think there was like one or two sessions that were compulsory for both schools. And so, you know, during those sessions when we were apart, it was like, oh my God, I miss you so much, you know? Um, and then at night, yeah. it was lots of canoodling, but you know, above the belt things because there were other girls in the room. Um, I remember one night, though, she woke me up and she had us, like, skive off in the middle of the night to go find a nice little corner somewhere to be really naughty. And I was like, oh, my God, this girl is really, really mad. But I loved that, you know, because, again, like I said, I was, I'm, a, I'm a PK, so I'm, I'm a preacher's kid. And I was perhaps a late bloomer, if you can call it that. Because, um, what, at this time, I think it was, like, 15 or 16 or something. Um, and all of my friends from, because I, I went to boarding school, so from... When we were 12, 13, 14, my friends were already kind of like, you know, canoodling and doing things with boys and all of that kind of stuff. And I was like, what the hell are you doing? Like, I'm not interested in any of that, you know? Um, So she was really just like super enticing to me. And it was like all of the excitement and like the butterflies and, you know, feeling things in my undercarriage that I had never quite felt before, quite in that way. 
or like I was like, oh my god. So when I was watching that show and this thing happened, this is what it actually does like in real life. It was just it was so weird. Um, but it was also really exciting, right? Because I was discovering so many new things about myself. Um, so yeah, so we dated for a few months, uh, lots of long distance. And when I was in half term, I would go to South Africa and then, you know, she'd skype off, take my mom's car, come see me, those kinds of things. So it was really, it was fun. It was fun. <laughs> so that's, that's always, it's always interesting to see, you know, what, started help yeah. start people on their path right um because my next question i was going to ask with that being said um I've, I've been having this conversation again this is something that kind of translates across all episodes it's like well when did you give yourself permission mm. um, okay. to feel accepted and honestly that leads to like when did you give yourself permission to feel pleasure and that could be again sex it could be just being loved it can just be pleasure with body image mm -hmm. and all those things um when did i give myself permission huh that's a very good question i'm not sure when i gave myself permission but i do remember being at home at my mother's house in bethesda maryland and it was my first holiday of really getting into dance hall and um uh, and uh, soca music and things like that and reggae um like by myself because my parents have really great taste in music so i grew up listening to really amazing music but this was like my first time of deciding i like this this artist i like that artist i like this i like that and then of course like i was trying to figure out what my wine was like um and I remember being in the living room in my mom's house and I was like facing the, these big sliding doors and I was facing the sliding doors and kind of like watching myself as I was moving and trying to make sure that I, you know, that I was comfortable with the way my, my body was moving. Um, and my mom comes up to me and she was like, baby, you're doing it wrong. And I was like, what? What's happening here? And she's like, no, 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 no. You're doing it wrong. You don't have to move that much. And then she came and she like, stood me where I was and put her hands on my hips. And then she was like, I'm going to show you. And I was like, what's happening here? And so my mom goes behind me and like, she stood behind me with her hands on my hips and she starts moving ever so gently. And she was like, now you do it. And I was like, what's happening here? I was so shocked, but it was just one of those moments where she was like, no, 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 no. You don't have to like, you know, bust a heavy wind and like be sweating and like be exasperated and lose your breath and all of this kind of stuff your body will do what your body needs to do for you just learn which muscles to activate and then all of the whoever you're trying to attract will come to you and i was like what's this woman talking you know wow and i'm like i'm looking at my mom and i'm like <laughs> did somebody smack you over the head like what is happening here but it was such a beautiful moment and um, it's actually the, the, the thing I was thought, um, thinking about when, um, when I said, yes, I'll, I'll come on your podcast, because that was the, the memory I had in my mind. And it was just, I think that day was one of the few days where it was just me and my mom at home. And she was like, no, baby, you're doing it wrong. And she's like, you know, she went back to the, to the, the DVR or whatever and put the music back at the beginning. And she was like, this is how you do it. And she, it, I mean, she, we spent a good 15, 20 minutes and then it became just like a jam session, me and mom. And I was like, this woman has lost her mind. 
I don't understand, you know? But it was just so freeing and so beautiful. Even in the moment, like, it was almost like I was, I was holding my breath, like, could this really be happening? But then it was really happening. So I was like super giddy and I was like in awe. And then at some point she says, oh, what you think before I was your mom that I didn't have a life. You think before I was your mom that I didn't like to dance kind of thing. And I looked at her and I'm like, you know what? This is very true. Before you had all six of us, you were someone, you had a life. You clearly were were jamming in the dance hall and breaking people's children. So yeah, okay, thank you. I have learned this lesson. Um, yeah, so that's actually one of the things I really enjoy doing with my mom now. Um, every time we have family events, birthdays, Christmas, uh, weddings, things like that, just like a moment where it's just mom and I dancing. Um, and it's, it's really cool. It's fun. Yeah, that's beautiful. I think as adults, you start to realize that your your parents were and are people in a different way than you know, yeah. I guess when you're a child, um, I've recently, cause my parents mm-hmm. are both retired. They're like yeah. mid to late sixties now. I think my dad actually turned 70 this year and you know, the relationships are different and the conversations are, are, you, are yes. just different. And like sometimes recently I had a conversation with my father and it was one where I felt like he actually really just affirm and, and he's seen me as a whole person mm-hmm. for the first time probably since I've been an adult. And during this conversation, he's seen, he's saying things that I'm just like, oh my God, I'm like, mm-hmm. I am this man. Like, I am this dude. And it, and it threw me for a loop because I've always been, my dad was, a, you know, he's retired military. So it's always been a little bit, not, strict is not the word. Um, it's always mm-hmm. been a little cold. You know what I mean? He, he's always been a little bit cold, funny guy sarcastic sense of humor but and he's always there when you need him but he's always to me he's always felt a little cold and so I didn't realize that you know it could also be freaking him out that I'm Mm -hmm, like a little mm -hmm. mini him (laughs) but you know but I start to think about my parents like I was like what if this whole time he doesn't know that he's coming off cold and that's those aren't his intentions and like maybe he does have feelings like a person right or like you know my mom really does say anything off the top of her head and apparently she Mm. was aware of that um, that's not just her trying yeah. to hurt feelings. Like that's a thing. She's one of those types of people. So she does when she stops and she tries to take stuff back. It's not that she's walking it back. It's that she realized she probably said right. something she shouldn't have. Um, so it's, it's, it's an interesting thing. And that's why I wanted, uh, I love that you told that story too, because it reminded me about, you know, things that you learn from your parents and particularly your mom yeah. about pleasure. Um. For me, my mom, actually, honestly, she kind of was just always like in her own little way. It's like, if you're going to do something, do it all the mm-hmm, way. My mm-hmm. father's the same way, too. It's like, if you're going to do something, do it 100%, right? And so for me, I've like that with sex, especially. I'm like, well, if we're going to do this, I don't want to have yeah. hazardly do this. And I also don't want to do it just mm-hmm. to just be doing it. Like, I want to know what you like. And I have all the yeah. time in the world to figure that out. You know, I think we put unnecessary pressures on ourselves to try to figure out or try to stunt or uh, uh, honestly just right. just perform in a way that's really unnatural. And so what I got from that story you were telling, I was like, oh, that's so interesting that she told you that once you find your rhythm, you're going to attract everything yeah. you need in this world. 
on anyone that you need in this world. I was like, oh, that's very mm-hmm. profound. That's spiritual. I was like, I'm not sure. I've had, I can't say that I've had a similar moment with my parents, but there has been like moments when they were just like, if you're going to get yeah. it, just get it. Don't settle for anything. Don't let anyone take anything from you. But I don't think, uh, I also think, I don't know. My parents probably do know me really well, a lot more than I think they do, because they've known me for a very long time. Yeah. And, you know, parents. <laughs> but I think that's a beautiful thing. If you had to say anything else, do you think she's taught you anything else? Um, um, yes, my mom's. She taught. She had my love for chocolates. I get from my mother. Um, as, <laughs> as much as you know, my mom has had her ups and downs with different health things and. Um, she's had you know seasons of wanting to be weak, like small and seasons of just letting herself be. One consistent thing has been my mother's love for chocolate. Um, and it's funny because earlier in the conversation, you mentioned um, how you had a conversation with the chef and they talked about like all of the central things that happen when they're cooking and, and how they feel. And it's interesting because both my mom and I have this um, this way of making people and things that we love we transform them into food so um for example with my eggs her feet i thought were just really really cute and looked very small for the size of foot that she had and her toes were just ridiculously Mm -hmm. tiny and i was like oh my god your sausages look really nice i have a thing for feet I like them aesthetically, not never in my mouth. But anyway, so like, you know, I would call like, um, like her toes sausages or, um, I don't know, uh, other people I've been with, perhaps I've called their, their boobage, things like um, raisins, like referring to their nipples or... Um, oh, um, that's a there's, good one. There's another one that I used to use all the time. Well twins i usually call the the boobage twins but then they have like another layer of name um either like my milk sacks or my caramel this or my raisins or my it's always like something really foody um and i think for some people it kind of makes them uneasy because it's like why do you always look at me and feel like you want to eat and i'm like maybe because i do want to eat um, um, yeah. but then it's also like you know that that feeling or that's well not not everyone has this but people who are really like baby 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 bring the baby when you see like baby's feet or baby cheeks or baby hands you just want to like nibble on them it's a bit that kind of yeah. sensation as well but the the eating that i want to do is not quite what we do with babies um so it's like a, it's an it's the next yeah. level a more superior <laughs> level of um of eating and um, a level that's not appropriate for babies, you know? Um, so, yeah, so, like, yeah, yeah, chocolate and, and really making everybody, they just become delicious for me. Like, if I'm, if I'm really into a woman, she, she becomes, like, I don't know, honey wine, ra- like, like I said, raisins, milk sacks, milk jugs, sausages, all of the different things that come to mind. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that. <laughs> no, that's very, oh, now I'm thinking about all the times like I've thought about chocolate <laughs> nipples and <laughs> right? 
like I couldn't explain why I, I really had this dream. This is one of my first girlfriend too. I had this dream and I was like, yeah, I just, you know, your nipples were made out of like mm-hmm. chocolate syrup and, and like strawberries were there and kiwi was there. And she was like, really? And I was like, yeah. So can, when I like suck chocolate syrup off your nipples uh-huh. later uh-huh. tonight after practice? And she was like, yeah, <laughs> we can try it. <laughs> but um yeah no i i think there is something to be said about i don't cross sensory descriptions uh of of pleasure um i do it with feelings Mm -hmm. in terms of color but with people um you know i I was reading this thing and it was talking about how sometimes people can feel when it's commodified when you describe them as certain things and i was like i get it but i really enjoy brownies and I think brownies are one of the best desserts. And I'm not mm-hmm, even mm-hmm. into a lot of sweets, right? But brownies, especially if it's like that crust, mm-hmm, like a, mm-hmm. a nice corner piece, there's something about it that exactly. just hits a certain spot that you just can't get with anything else. And so when I describe myself to people and my particular food of choice, it's like, mm-hmm. I'm like a brownie, you know, like I'm chocolate, I'm sweet. Sometimes I can be that nice, that nice middle happy mm-hmm. medium of crispy, but you know, it is what it is. I'm a brownie. And I, I, I mean, food is delectable. Like food is amazing. I, I love, is. I love food. So yeah. I, I totally get what you're saying. <laughs> um, so in terms of like your mom, your mother, do you think that some of your relationships with some of your partners is reflective of the relationship that you had with your mom? And even some of the things that she has taught you about partnership and, and um, pleasure and, um, so this is a person. funny question because I just had a similar conversation with my therapist not too long ago. Um, and the observation is this. I think many of my partners are women who have had themselves mummy issues. And I don't know, well, actually I lie. I do know what it is about my energy, but I'm going to say that I don't know what it is about my energy. That lets, That makes them think as though, <laughs> like partnering with me or spending time with me can be like a safe haven um, to kind of either reconcile themselves with the mother wounds that they have and or begin some kind of a recovery of that wound. On the flip side of that, some of my relationships have um, facilitated new types of communication between my mother and I that perhaps Mm. would not have been otherwise. Um, It's interesting because I think when I think about like the, the the girlfriends or the, or my partners who have been, who have made the most significant impact on me, um, some of their really not best traits are things that mirror things that I don't necessarily like in my relationship with my mom. So some of the things that that does, like Mm. um, sometimes just being rash, just just saying the thing that comes to mind um, and feeling as though, because my mom is like, she's a Bible believer. She believes the word of God. And so she sometimes lets that, and she's a lawyer, right? So you you combine those two things and sometimes she just, she'll just say it whatever it is um and you can you, you can say it, but mom you know that 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 hurt my feelings and she's like well you know um 
don't be so sensitive. You know, like you needed to hear that. Or, you know, she said something to somebody else. Like, I, I'll give an example. So um, a while ago, my mom sent a message to that was destined to one member of my family, but she made the mistake and she shared it on the family group. And the message was about me. And it was not a very pleasant, nice message. And I heard it. And I just kind of, I didn't say anything. And then my the sister who it was directed to kind of feeling really bad because she was like, mom, why would you say this? Um, and also now that you said it and put your foot in your mouth by sharing it with everybody and not just me, how do I sort of say, yes, I've heard um, and I'm talking to her directly kind of thing. Um, and it was like a really weird um, yeah. kind of situation because my mom and I had had it a conversation just a, like maybe the day before about similar things. Um, and the way she responded to me was not as abrasive and callous as she did in the message about me to somebody that wasn't me. Um, so I was really like, yeah, is this how you talk to me when I'm not in the room? Talk about me when I'm not in the room kind of thing. And she was like, oh, well, you know, I've already said some of the things to you, so you shouldn't be surprised. This is this and that and that. And I was like, okay, you know what? Okay, fine. I'm going to try and not be emotional about this, but I'm also going to let you know that now that we are all adults, there are certain boundaries and this is not how we talk about me, you know? Um, and, and so why do I bring up that, that story? Yeah. Because when I think about some of the, the like row moments with myself and my ex and we were together for five, almost six years, um, a lot of the times when I had like ouch moments in the relationship, and it was a really beautiful relationship. So no one should be listen, you know, listen and think, oh my God, it was toxic. No, it was not. It was, it was beautiful. Um, I always had an issue with the way she said things and not necessarily what she said. And I, I mean, I grew up with a minister and a lawyer as parents, both really eloquent, erudite people who have a command of language that is far superior than just the average person. So when they say things, they know exactly what it is that they're trying to say, and they know the space that they're leaving for double entendre or for suspension, you know? Um, and and my, my ex knew that yeah. about me. She knew, I pay attention to the words that you pick. I pay attention to the tone of your voice. I pay attention to the pauses between your words I paid very close attention so sometimes you know she would say things and I'd say to her later on listen I don't have an issue or a problem with the fact that that is what you think or that that is your opinion on, an, on a matter or that this is how you feel or whatever it is and you also know that if you really wanted to hear wanted me to hear you without my defenses going up and like my attack coming out, that wasn't the best way to say this to me. You just know this, right? Um, and a thing that happened is like I said, I'm number five or six yeah. girls. Um, so I have one younger sister and growing up, um, a lot of the time, especially in moments where uh, decisions were made and I just kind of had to, because I was so little, you know, the decisions were made and I was, I was impacted, but I didn't necessarily have a say or maybe I had done something and I was chastised and my parents never really, I mean, beating and hitting and things like that was not a part of my childhood. Again, language, 
they know how to use language to let you know that this yeah. is good and this is not good, right? So for me, you give me a talking to and I, and I go back to being that little girl who's like in the corner knowing that I've done something wrong or maybe I haven't done something wrong and you just had a, you know, a stressful day and you've taken it out on everybody, you know? Um, so I, I, I go back to that little, mm-hmm. that little person um, and then sometimes I'm like, okay, this has really hurt me. But then in the moment of being hurt, I get silenced, if that is even imaginable. Like I have the gift of gab and yet I get silenced, you know? Um, and it's, it, it makes me feel yeah. disempowered. Um, and, and I'm not using the word vulnerable because vulnerable is a, is, a, is a word that I use. When I use it, it's very deliberate because when I allow myself to be vulnerable about around certain people, it's because that person makes me feel safe. And so therefore I feel that I can be vulnerable yeah. with them. But in a situation where somebody says something to me in a way that they know will negatively impact me, I feel disempowered. And I feel as though I constantly go to the place where I want to be vulnerable to say X, Y, Z, or to even speak up for myself. So sometimes I just sit there and I swallow the discomfort. Um, and that's not a good thing, right? Because like you need to be able to speak up for yourself and to say this, this does me this way or this makes me feel that way. Um, so that's, that's one thing that I learned from my last relationship. Um, which was, is, has been my most significant and healthiest relationship in life so far. Um, not to say that the rest of them were super, oh, well, okay, let me not lie. There was one that was just atrocious. Um, and, and, and it was funny because yeah. going into that relationship, I knew it was going to be a train wreck. But I did it anyway because I was like, I feel like she's going to be really good in bed. And that's never the way to make a decision mm. on a relationship. I mean, she was really good in bed, but she was also no. a super, super bitch. So there goes that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, one of my exes just tried to friend me on Facebook and I was just like, absolutely not. And it's not me holding a grudge. It's literally, there is nothing good that will come up that yeah. girl in my life. Like, and it's almost like she doesn't deserve to see me happy. She doesn't deserve to see me evolve. Honestly, spiritually, I can see her trying to reconnect. And that's something I don't want to have to go through exactly. time when you know again, because that still yeah. rattles me a little bit. Um, and yeah, no, I I totally identify with that. And a lot of that, you know, was crazy now that I'm thinking about it. My mother, she she's one of those that, you know, it took her a while to get used to. I came out to her technically twice. Like the first time she caught me sneaking in from a club, with like a tie mm-hmm. and a vest on. And that was not when I was what I was wearing when I went out. And so the whole time she's like, but you're bi, right? I was like, no, I just told you what it is, but you bi, right? You like still like dudes. I was like, no. So I'm like, I'm not going to sit up here and argue with you because one, I don't like to repeat mm-hmm. myself anyway. Um, it is what it is. And then of course, the second time I came out, she finally got it. And she, she, you know, she started asking questions. And then like, you know, she got to a point where she was at the beauty salon explaining, you know, queer politics mm-hmm. to other black women. Um, and then like, you know, she wanted to go to pride event. I was like, absolutely not. You're way too friendly and my friends don't need to be knowing all my business. <laughs> so I like, can't take that woman nowhere. She'll come back with a whole bunch of friends enjoying herself. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. Um, but there was this, I was dating this ex and you know, what happened was, you know, the ex got violent. Mm. I had to figure out a way to get her out of yeah. her living situation. And my mom, you know, my mom's very fair. Both my parents are actually fair and um, 
compassionate in a way mm-hmm. that's very different. Like they're not that I always compare it. It's like my dad was never that dad who videotaped only the the stretches of mm-hmm. game where I was playing. No, he videotaped the entire game and then made a, a copy parent. for every single oh, parent nice. on the team, right? Regardless if I was playing. Yeah. So my parents, even like any disputes, my mom was like, are you sure? Like, yeah, I just want to make sure you're mm-hmm, doing the right mm-hmm. thing. And like, basically you're acting mm-hmm, like you have mm-hmm, home mm-hmm. training compassion. And <laughs> But I told her about this and she was like, wait, y'all are dating? And I was like, yeah. And she was like, like girlfriends? I was prepared for this whole um, this whole pushback about mm-hmm. being gay and everything. And she was like, oh no, I just didn't think she was your type. Aww. Like, you know, she's a little, she's a little bit, I'm not saying mannish, but you know, you know, she didn't, you know, you know, she just, it's not that she can't dress. I just, I just thought you know you like mm-hmm. more feminine, put mm-hmm. together women. And I was like, wait, so hold up, what? <laughs> and she was like, yeah, mom. Actually, she was right on point with that one. She, she was right on point with that. And that was crazy about that whole situation is you know if I had the opportunity to talk with my mother about some of these things, I probably never would have dated that girl because she would have been like, no, I, I don't think that's a good mm-hmm, look mm-hmm. for you. And not in a, not in like an overbearing type of way, but like, uh, are you sure? Are you trying to get out? Like, you know, you have boundaries for a reason and you definitely have a type and I don't know why you're pretending like you right. don't type of way. And, you know, it, mom sometimes no. They sometimes know. She has not been wrong about either of my mm-hmm, siblings mm-hmm. yet either. So there's that. That's phenomenal. <laughs> but um, you've just yeah. you've triggered two she thoughts got there. for me. The first is that um. So I kind of don't believe in coming out, and I'll tell you why. Um, so I was outed when I was like 13. I want to say it was 13, 14, because at the time it like felt like such a violation that I just erased it from my mind for such a long time. And then, you know, this thing when you start going to therapy and you try to recover your own personal history, it's like really strange. Um, but anyways, uh, so my oldest, <laughs> no, second sister... Um, uh, kind of after, okay, so let me tell the story properly, how I normally tell it. So my sister just before me, there's a six year age gap, um, had just gone uh, to a cousin's wedding and meets this guy and goes Google for him. And then they start talking and he's now her husband. Okay. So they've got beautiful children. But at the time, you know, she's just met this guy and I'm what, 13. I, like I said, I was a late bloomer, right? So I'm still in my novels and like, mystery novels and and things like that I was not thinking about boys I wasn't thinking about girls I wasn't thinking about being kissed I wasn't thinking about being fingered and these were things that I saw other girls and boys doing in boarding school I was not interested in any of that I was just in my books so I go home for this holiday to my sister's place and um and you know the, the the sister before me is is going on and on about this amazing guy she just met and how yeah, and she's basically giving the speech that people give when they're like infatuated and like about to fall in love, right? Oh, I get butterflies. Oh, he makes mm-hmm. me weak. Oh my God, he takes my breath away. Oh, oh, oh. Like all of the things that people say when the endorphins are doing what they do. And I'm looking at this girl like, are you mad? <laughs> like, why are you saying things? Like, because she actually went ahead and said, oh, I, I haven't been alive until I met him. And I was like, I'm sorry. So like all of these 13 years that you've been my sister and you've been breathing air, you've been dead. Like, what do you mean you haven't been alive? You know, like I was so (laughs) shocked. So I guess like my, 
lack malcontent or like my complaining or not I, I wasn't okay yeah yeah I was complaining and I was like throwing a tantrum I guess that kind of like rubbed them the wrong way because in their mind they're like okay she's done the whole puberty thing she's in boarding school she's in a mixed school clearly there is a lot of access to boys um you know and they would think because they also went to boarding school and they went to a mixed school as well but like their school was like in Nigeria, super regimented, you know, boys hostel on one side, girls hostel on the other side. Um, if it wasn't class time and it wasn't prep time, the, the genders were separated. So they're looking at me like, but you go to this liberal school where like, you know, the things should be happening and you should be like crossing wires and like, and I was just looking at them like, I don't know what you're talking about. And then they come up to me and they're like, ah, listen, 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 look, are you a lesbian? And I was like, what is this? What are you talking about? And I'm looking around and I'm like, who's a lesbian? Where is she? I don't see her anywhere, you know? And they're like, no, seriously, like, you know, um, because we know when, because we went to boarding school and we know how it is with like senior girls. Maybe you think one senior girl is really cool and maybe like you're mistaking the admiration that you have for her as something else. So, but just, so we just want to know. And I was like, listen, ain't no senior girl, ain't no admiration, ain't no crossing of wires. I'm not into nobody but my novels. And they're looking at me and they're like, no, 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 no. There's something here. And I said, okay, let me be frank with you, okay? In my, over the weekend, we have like movie nights every Saturday, every Friday and Saturday. And I see my classmates sitting in the corner canoodling and doing all these kinds of things. And then I hear how the boys talk about the girls and how the girls talk about the boys. And let me just tell you, both boys and girls are complicated. I don't have the energy to manage any of that baggage. I'm not with it. Like, I'm just not interested. I guess they were unconvinced because the next day, one of them travels to my parents in DC and says to my parents in the car that, listen, oh girl is a lesbian. Oh, I think she's a lesbian. And so my parents call me, my dad cries, my mom throws a tantrum and like has a freaking fit and says all manners of things. And then I'm like, hold on a minute. I never said, yes, I'm a lesbian. And I never said, no, I like boys. Yeah. I didn't say anything. So why are you ganging up on me right now, you know? And my dad was, like, really upset because he was like, I just saw you two weeks ago. If you were struggling, like, why didn't you tell me? We could have had a conversation. We could have prayed. And he wasn't really saying, like, we could have prayed, like, prayed the gay away, but, like, kind of, like, because I know this is a difficult time if this is actually what's going on. Like, And I was like, but I can't tell you yes that this is what's yeah. going on because, no, it's not. Like, I'm, I'm just not there. Um, and anyways, you know, eventually flash forward like five more years and yes, I am actually a big fat, you know, dyke and I had a girlfriend. Now I'm in university and I have another girlfriend and, you know, mom's coming to visit for the weekend and, you know, she wants to, me to go to church with her. And then my girlfriend's like, I like church. Can I go? And then I'm like, ah, guys, what's going to happen now? I have to do what? I have to introduce you people. Like what is happening here? You know, um, at which point, I, I mean, I introduced her kind of like, mom, this is my friend. And then later on that evening, mm -hmm. and this is the second thing that you kind of triggered. Um, so my mom looks at me because I stayed with her that evening at her hotel. And she said, you know what, that girl, there's something in her eyes. I don't like her. And Ooh. Ooh. in my, oh my God, does mom know that I'm really, really gay now brain? I was like, oh, she just doesn't like her because it's a girl and she doesn't want me with girls. However many years later now, when I think back on how toxic that relationship was, 
mum wasn't saying she doesn't like her because she's a girl and she didn't want me with girls. Mum was saying she doesn't like her because that person was genuinely not a good person. But, you know, like when we mm. have all of our defenses up and when we are anticipating bigotry and phobia and everything that the you know people from the pulpit say and things like that, we have so many guards up that the advice that we could get, the, the, the love, the care that we could benefit from just in general, we've so guarded ourselves that we can't even accept that, right? So my mom was literally trying to throw me a lifeline. But because I had already yeah. put the filter that, listen, anything mom's going to say about this girl is going to be about the fact that she doesn't like that you're gay and not that this girl might actually not be the right girl for you. Um, took me only 15 years to realize that that's what mom was actually saying. Um, but yeah. Um, so yes, so I, I, now I think, you know, um, I, I think that people need to be secure in who they are. People need to, um, you know, reconcile the different parts of themselves. And sexual orientation is just one of the parts of yourself. Um, like, I, I've, I've seldom, I've, I've actually never met a heterosexual person that, like, you know, comes in the room <laughs> and says, hi, my name is Alex, I'm straight, I have, like, you know, they don't do that, right? So why should we have to do that, right? Yeah. And at the same time, I understand that because of just, you know, the presumption of, heterosexuality they don't have to so when Alex is in the room and talking about his spouse and his kids you know you can just assume that he's talking about a woman and children although that's changing now um but in general you know that that's there's something yeah. that you can run with and have it still to a certain extent be correct so yeah yeah oh this has been such a great conversation I'm definitely gonna have to have you on um next season for sure because that that's i'm just like now i'm like really examining some my relationship with my parents and i was just like oh wait there's so many times and there's so many things that were said and i was like you know um, i was having this conversation Mm -hmm. before i wrap this up with um some of my friends and i well okay what happened was i sent my resume to my dad but it it Uh was the wrong one it's not that i don't it's not that I haven't come out to him. I haven't come out to him because to me, our relationship, it doesn't, right. I don't need to, right? Because if I was straight, I wouldn't be like, hey, right, dad, right. this is my boyfriend. Like, it's the same type. That's just our relationship. But there's a lot of stuff that I've been doing at my parents. Well, my father mm-hmm, didn't mm-hmm. know about, right? Again, this is this wall that I built that I thought right. he's cold. And But I included this particular thing on my resume. And it clearly says that I founded like a whole queer woman mm-hmm, company mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And... I didn't realize till two days later, I was like, did I send him mm-hmm. the wrong resume? <laughs> yeah, totally did. And I know he saw it because he sent an email back. I didn't read it though, but he sent an email back like, oh yeah, let's change this into this. And not like in a bad way. He's like, we can use this event management yeah. experience. Uh, let's mm-hmm. just put it over here, right? And then he he sent me some other stuff and there's this paragraph at the bottom of it, basically saying that, hey, I'm not erasing this because mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. Um, I'm just putting it over here, but I want you to know, don't ever change the name of your company. Don't ever change anything because you have a Aww. unique background that is very valuable. Yeah, it made me cry. And, you know, 
but my I was telling my friends this, and they're like, well, I think some of this is like we have to remember that our, back to what we we're talking about earlier that our parents are people, and we have to yeah. give them the space to actually yeah, love do. on us, right? And you know, I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't giving him that space because I don't know. He's been, he was in the military. He's always been around sports. I'm pretty sure he had, he came across yes. many lesbians and knowing him, he probably didn't really mm-hmm, treat them mm-hmm. that differently. Right. I mean, it's always different with your kid, but you know, I just never gave him the opportunity to like yeah. show up like that. And I'm glad I did because it, it was definitely life-changing. It's been extremely helpful, but you know, kind of, <laughs> it's just, it's, it's crazy to think about like our parents are people exactly. and we have to give them that space. And some of the messages that they're trying to tell us, you're right. Like if they're safe, of course, my parents already went, my mom already went through the whole crying <laughs> thing and denial thing. And now she's like, you know, she's not like my daughter is gay, but she is like, you better not come exactly. up here with some bullshit. Exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. So, you know, but I gave her that space and I also had to be strong enough with myself to be like, you know, yeah. I can't cut you yeah. off, <laughs> but that's, that's a yeah. place of privilege too. Like I, I was very like, I, I don't have to speak to you, but my parents also gave me the mm-hmm. space to grow up independently and to have right. independent thoughts. So there's that, but, um, I totally agree with you, but this has been a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much Thank for coming you for on. having me. Can you tell everybody where they can find um, you? Okay. So oh, you can find me on Instagram, uh, at Ilubiri. So Ilubiri is I-L-U underscore B-I-R-I-N. And it's the same, um, uh, handle on TikTok. (sighs) I don't know who sent me onto TikTok, but yes, I'm there as well. Um, but Instagram is where I'm most active and, (laughs) and, um, yeah, it's where you can find me. You can bug me in my DMs. You can send things as submissions. You can make comments on anything you want. And yeah, that's where you can find me. Awesome. Well, thank you everyone for listening and I'll see you next time.